0: Hello, you beautiful beings out there, both new listeners and longtime listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Philosophy Guy. So today's episode, as you might be able to tell from the title, is going to be on consciousness and what science kind of misses in this discussion of consciousness. And it's kind of had this kind of revitalized or re rebranded, and, and this discussion basically has come out more and more again, and I've become also very interested in it, but I feel the need to kind of explain this episode a bit. So my recent content between uh, both solo and interviews, I guess, has been discussing this very hot button issue of consciousness and what it is, why isn't science able to explain it, you know, what is missing. All of this is about trying to understand our subject, subjective experience, the subjective experience of consciousness. Then we have science and and science coming out and essentially saying consciousness might be more fundamental to the universe than, than we once thought. And I'm like, hello, right? <laughs> like, yes, exactly. And and this is where I've been talking about this, these kind of three areas of knowledge coming together. I've said this on like interviews and I think I've also said it on this podcast and it's probably getting annoying at some point. But I feel the like need to explain why it's important for this Episodes, so you have philosophy becoming more open to panpsychism, for example, which is saying consciousness consciousness is a fundamental part of the universe, and you have some people in science agreeing with that idea a little bit more, or at least that fundamental nature of consciousness. And then you have this kind of mystical meditation, uh, Eastern psychedelic community, basically being like, yeah. Hello we've been we've been here waiting for you for for hundreds of years and it's like glad you could finally join us essentially. But anyway, I felt the need to kind of dive into this question more to give you a a better base for going forward. plus I was I was doing this research and um, we've had all these kind of books come out about consciousness in 2019 at least basically agreeing with or at least having sympathies for the panpsychist position and saying consciousness is a fundamental part, yada yada. Philip Goff um came out with a book about panpsychism. Sam Harris's wife, Annika Harris, uh basically was came out with a book exploring the the discussion around consciousness, but essentially saying panpsychism is onto something. And then you have Donald Hoffman who's more books his books dealing with reality and our perception of it, but also still the kind of this I, this discussion around consciousness was still had there. My point is it's a very a public thing now to be kind of openly discussing how fundamental consciousness is to our basically being. So it brought some interesting information on the scientific side of the table, on Donald Hoffman's side, which we'll discuss in future episodes. But anyway, I was researching this one, this episode, on what is consciousness, and I pulled out my old thesis paper for grad school. And you know, not not to pat myself on the back uh, too much, but, but I feel like I need to express some kind of credentials once in a while, so you uh, keep tuning in. But I was basically saying this a couple of years back in my paper about AI, consciousness, and personhood. Like basically like, hey, we're we're missing something here, everyone. So, you know, and it's I'm not trying to say I was here before it was cool, or I guess I am trying to say I was I was at this kind of position before it was cool, but now it's the cool position to be had. So it's like whatever, but I feel like the need to say and be like, hey, yo. Let's let's do this. This has had some some backing for a while. But anyway, let's enter the labyrinth. <laughs> So let's consider this question, what is consciousness? I'm fascinated by this question because it's mostly still a mystery, as in we don't really know what consciousness is, why it happens, or, or or why it exists. This might be the most difficult and complex question facing philosophy. So to examine this question, I'll provide a kind of language distinction for two important variables. You have the mind, and then you have the brain. The brain basically refers to our little three pound walnut shaped organ placed on top of our spinal cord, the organs that that routinely fires off 100 billion neurons, you know, basically it is giving you the experience of the world. Now, the juicy part for today, the good stuff, the mind, the mind that is the mental state that is produced by the brain, such as, or, or maybe produced by the brain. I guess we should say it for today, such as visual sensations, emotions, memories, thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs. It's the, it's the you experiencing this right now that has created the mental state experiencing this right now. That kind of understanding. So to kind of like unpack this discussion. And enter what I want to analyze in this discussion of consciousness is we need to examine material science and materialism in science and what it has to say. So in order to understand how the brain produces the mind or what that understanding is currently. So we must turn to a scientific understanding of the objective study of the brain. So this is where we can identify the material mechanisms that produce the mind, or or at least we, we think produce the mind. The idea that consciousness is is this extension of the material brain is what makes up the materialist materialist worldview. However, this is where the mystery, the mystery of consciousness comes into play. So although science has made you know significant progress for for brain research and understanding the kind of neural correlations between consciousness and the connection with certain functions of the brain we still understand very little about our mental states and those mental states are to kind of like unpack that because that kind of can be a little confusing mental states being like visual sensations you know what we see out in the physical world what, you know what you see when you see you know a, a beautiful old tree just full of wisdom you know that experience and and those emotions that come with it and the memories we form and the experience of pulling those memories back out of our mind and reconsidering them that experience of that those thoughts we have when we have an idea and the emotions that come with maybe you just had this like really cool idea and you're ready to express it to the world that feeling that sensation Right those attitudes and and formation of stories and beliefs that we form all of this you know science isn't exactly saying a lot about what that is you know consciousness is still you know mostly the same mystery it always has been even though science has made progress in pretty much everything around us in the material world that physical world out there it's able to explain the chemistry and how the atoms come together and and space and time and in quantum mechanics all this stuff i don't know know if i should put quantum mechanics in that list because it's a very confusing subject even for scientists but my point is we can see evolution in a sense around science and their discoveries and you know in, in discoveries i guess you could say even in the, like the medical field maybe that's the best example to really see an evolution there but we don't see that evolution and that change as much in our understanding of consciousness. We're still, we're still confused, really. And, and I think it's, it says something important. It then raises the question for us, you know, science is making these discoveries in the physical world, right? My, my, kind of my point in this distinction. So it then raises the question for us, could something be missing in our discussion of, you know, this question of what is consciousness? Could something be missing there? So if neuroscience achieves, let's say, a full understanding of how the brain produces the mind or how the brain creates a state of consciousness, but should we even assume this given how little progress we made in understanding the brain to consciousness connection? Do we have the evidence there to assume that, right? That's kind of the question that I've been interested in recently because I do think maybe something's missing. Um... And, and we'll, get, we'll get into that. I don't want to explain it right now without fully unpacking it so I don't make it more confusing than it needs to be. But some materialist scientists around the study of mind put forward, you know, we would understand how basically this switch of consciousness would turn on if we fully understand the brain. But I think a full understanding of the mind will not fully explain the concept of human consciousness and human consciousness being your subjective experience. Like I was saying, you you know, when you experience a red apple, how do we know from person to person that experience, of that red apple, that, that feeling you get, or that taste you get when you bite into it? How do we know that individual experience is the same for every person? We basically have to describe it to people like, Hey, this is what I experienced, hey, what did you experience? And you kind of agree upon that, but that's not really like an objective feeling that we can calculate, right? So it's kind of that idea. So neuroscience examines brain dynamics that connect with particular states of consciousness. Essentially, scientific research of the brain is looking to identify brain function state X that correlates with brain doing Y. But like I said, it's not explaining the subjective experience. But what science is saying around the brain is that once we fully understand the brain, all of its mechanisms, all of its correlations between between identifying brain function X, like I said, to doing Y, once we understand all of that, they think there's a switch going to turn on. Now, my position currently is, like, if you know me on the show, I'm saying my position currently, which I can be persuaded otherwise when new information comes forward. But right now, When I hear that, I'm like, that's a switch turns on. What what do you mean? Why would a switch magically turn on at some point? That is magic. And science likes to criticize magic, of course, right? You know, it's like this mythical thing that this switch turns. Well, who's turning the switch? Why is the switch turning? We seem to still not understand that part of the equation, especially going from this objective physical world to the subjective experience. So my point is maybe there's something missing in that. So let me kind of continue to unpack this. However, so when we self-examine the state of consciousness with personal experience, for example, the personal state of mind is a much more subjective experience. A Sorry, let me re- like readjust. I'm not really recording in a comfortable spot today. So the personal state of mind is a much more subjective experience right a subjective state that cannot be fully explained or or expressed or understood through the objective proclamations of science those are what i'm kind of referring to before about the red apple and the subjective experience from individual to individual around what it is to experience that red apple so think of it this way science is studying what is an atom But not what it is to be an atom. And this distinction matters. And before you freak out like, oh, there's nothing to experience as as an atom. Let me, let me, (laughs) let me unpack it, right? This distinction matters because when those same atoms come together, they form a, a, a human, for example. That is a conscious being that creates stories, it has experiences, the feeling of joy, the feeling of suffering, and and the subjective experiences around life. We can identify a connection with what it is, what it is to experience, and what it is to be human. Now, I'm not saying like I'm not saying that atoms are out there kind of experiencing the world, because a lot of people kind of scoff at that idea of of what it is to be an atom. But people often project their human understanding of consciousness into that. I and mean, that's not fully what consciousness is. We're trying to project just only, like as though only human experience of consciousness is all that there is within the understanding of experiences of consciousness. So like I was saying, I'm not saying atoms are out experiencing the world, but instead of assuming there's kind of this Mysterious consciousness switch that once you like that turns on when those atoms come together into a human, and then it becomes less of a magical occurrence. To just assume atoms, maybe just just maybe (laughs) that atoms have a level of of consciousness intrinsic to them in itself, and then when they come together, it's like almost like it's gathering those particles of consciousness to create this more. I don't know if I want to use this word, but I'll I'll use it for today. (laughs) This more sophisticated form of consciousness that I think we see in humans, for example. So these ideas I just expressed is essentially the philosophical ideas behind panpsychism. Um, So it's this idea that consciousness is is in a way everywhere and more fundamental to the universe than maybe we once thought. And I'm not saying like there's like it's, it's all these new people that are coming to this position. This position has been around for a while or like related positions have been around for a while. But it's definitely picking up steam again. We're kind of having this like re-revolution of it or, or a new revolution of it. However, you, I don't even know what the right way to say that is. Y'all get what I mean, right? So, but this idea of consciousness everywhere. And the reason I find the idea of panpsychism so interesting is it points out this problem of consciousness I've discussed. It's pointing out we have something missing in the study of the mind. We are we're not looking at what it is to be an atom or really what it is to be a lot of things. So to help more fully express this idea, it's saying that maybe there's a level of I think I like I like using this term. I don't know if everyone would use this term, but there's a level of energy. Whether it's particles or atoms or whatever more accurate scientific word I could insert into there that makes something into what it feels to be like that thing described. So it's 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 this idea that we might find some and, and this is where I, I got this from Philip Goff. I don't know if he got if he created this or he got it from somewhere, but these psychophysical laws Around those mental states we experience, it's like these new laws of. I don't know if the right way to be would be to say it's like these new laws of physics because that's. I feel like this is my lack of understanding of science, but it's like these new laws of the universe is. I think is the best way to say it. These psychophysical laws, psychophysical laws, that might help explain what we're experiencing, our subjective experience of consciousness, right? So allow me to kind of dissect that further. So think of our brain as, as, an, as an information processing device. It, and I feel like everyone gets on board with that. So if we can understand how information is processed from inputs into output brain functions, we can better understand intelligence, cognition, and perception. And at the very least, this can help us understand an objective state of consciousness, even though it is not enough to fully understand this subjective state of mind. So for clarification, philosophy itself will not provide a definitive answer to the question of consciousness, but it can help us ask the right questions to bring us to a better understanding of consciousness itself and like what it is to be something, right? So to express the problem of a purely scientific state of consciousness, imagine you have person A and person B staring at that red apple I keep bringing up. So based on the scientific understanding of the brain, we know that neurons send electrical signals to one another, which produces a mental event that is the experience of seeing a red apple. So I'm oversimplifying this process, but the general understanding is, all that is necessary for this understanding, for this episode. So when you stare at the red apple, you have an experience, an internal experience within your visual field from what maybe it's one neuron sending another neuron a signal and so on, or we can observe that part. But then there's like this image that's created of that feeling, that emotion, that visual perception in our mind. That's another thing you can visualize a group of people continually sending messages to to one another to kind of help explain this but it's that correlation there now imagine placing a green apple next to the red apple another neuron process is taking place that produces the experience of green the brain itself isn't changing to green though so we don't have a little <laughs> like a little being in our heads changing the filter every time a new object of color is placed in front of us right we only have our brain Producing states of mind, or that's like kind of the understanding. Now, like I, that, that's what I find interesting about panpsychism. It can still account for what we have developed in the study of the brain and how it produces certain things. But it, but there is something missing in that experience of it. So the point is, a brain function produces a mental uh, uh, event of experiencing red and green apples, which means we have the mental experience of red and green but red and green are not found in the brain and that's where i think there that's where it's kind of this obvious thing that there is something missing and it doesn't help us to say that oh a switch just turns on that creates this visualization and it's all an illusion and we're going to get into more of that illusion idea in other episodes and we'll touch on it in a bit today and why i kind of think calling consciousness an illusion is completely a a BS position because it's... uh, I'll get into it. I'm I'm jumping ahead of myself. But it's an experience of the mind and mental state. That's the point of those, those apples. It's not the red apple and green apple. Those colors are not in the brain. They're produced, in a sense, by the brain. So to further express this problem, though, imagine your friend looking at a red apple. Neurons A, B, and C fire off to produce the mental experience of red for your friend. So we could identify... This brain mechanism in a brain scan but we cannot know if if she's experiencing red even if she claims to be experiencing the mental image of red she's only saying that because that's the mental experience she has learned to identify with red but for all we know that brain mechanism of a b and c neurons firing off could be producing what we call green meaning we have we have we have only identified the brain function for producing the experience of that mental state, but we cannot identify what it is to be that mental state. We cannot understand the intrinsic part of that mental state, of like I said, what it is to experience that green apple. So, this explanation of the problem is, or this explanation is basically the problem of consciousness, is essentially what philosopher David Chalmers coined in 1995. The hard problem of consciousness. Explaining that even a complete understanding of the physical structures of a creature, you know, the thinking mechanisms, not limited to humans, leaves open the question of whether or not the said creature is conscious. So the hard problem demonstrates that even a full physical explanation is incomplete because it is devoid of what it is like. To be the subject regarding or seeing a particular object or subject or physical object in the world or experiencing something, those inner thoughts, emotions, and sensations, that stuff is missing. So, how do we find this missing link? And and I'll tell you, I'm not gonna, I, I don't have the answers, but it's like we need to start asking the right questions around this discussion. So, before I progress further, I must acknowledge my underlying assumption is in the denial of Descartes' substance dualism. Um, and I'll quickly kind of unpack that a little bit because, and, and the reason I, I didn't put this in my notes, so I'm going to kind of free ball this one. Um, but dualism, the problem I kind of have with dualism is it's basically has a similar problem I think the materialist has, where dualism wants to separate the mind and the brain essentially. And I'm, I'm going to oversimplify here. And that separation there is an important distinction because that separation, we don't, it's also a mystery. If that's, if dualism is true, it's very much like a magical thing that occurs. Then if there's a, if all of a sudden there's a connection, right? So it's like, it's saying that the mind is, is, or the mind, the the subjective experience, that the little, that stuff is separate from the brain's mechanisms. And there's like a way to like, almost like pull that out. Right. I don't even know if that's the right way to visualize it. But my point is, is it's like another switch turns on, or it's another flip of the switch to say that, oh, now they become connected all of a sudden. It's like, when do they become connected? And it's that same magical mystery where panpsychism says, no, 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 or essentially my understanding of panpsychism is, it says, no, 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 they're, they're all the same thing. It's still basically one system. And there's no reason to separate them. We're just missing something within that understanding of that one system. So let's get into a little bit of what Descartes... Because Descartes is still saying something very valuable to why I think we need to be asking some more questions around our understanding of consciousness. So Descartes remains kind of the holder of the most famous argument for the soul with his famously credited phrase, I think therefore I am, right? So his argument suggests that the mind... And body must be separable entities because of our ability to doubt the existence of our brains but not our minds. That's what the reason he makes that distinction, right? So he claims that it is not possible to doubt we have a mind, which I'm on board with him on that part, right? Because doubting itself is a mental exercise. His arguments boil down to this. Body and mind must be separable because you can doubt one but not the other. And however, a distinction between the brain and mind does not mean it must be separated. Additionally, and, and that's kind of where my position comes into play. Additionally, merely doubting your body is not a strong enough kind of, I would say, property for making proclamations for its, it's essentially making proclamations about its, its non-existence. Uh, and and Descartes can, can doubt the existence of his brain and, and not the mind, but that doesn't provide evidence for their distinct separation It's merely describing how he thinks about it, which is, I think is important because I do still see that separation as important because it's telling us we're still the, how do I explain this without being confusing? Um, The distinction he made helps express and show that we have something missing in this conversation. And I think that is the important point he provided. So it's, it's, is merely describing how he thinks about it, like I said, so we can also conceptualize our limited understanding of our mind and brain's full nature. That is what he put forward to us, in that we do not know all there is to know. There's still so much wonder and and curiosity to be explored within this. But we know enough to know that the dependence between the brain and mind is inescapably interwoven that's something i'm definitely on board with kind of like the materialist position on he just might begin fully doubting the objective nature of himself right so descartes understood the body merely as a vessel for the soul however we have a better understanding of the interconnectedness between the mind brain and even further we have an understanding of other areas of the body affecting your subjective experience in your gut all those neurons in your gut too so to then affect your brain, that then affects your mind, right? So the hard problem of consciousness arises because of our understanding of the mind and body to be interconnected in that, in that the mind is produced by the brain. But what is that subjective experience? That question I keep coming back to. So in large part, Descartes' argument for dualism, although not proving dualism, helps express the problem with calling consciousness an illusion. That's the point I wanted to get to, which is kind of like the materialist position. It's like, oh, we have the material world, that's all we have, and then this feeling of consciousness, this feeling of creating a story, these sensations, all that's an illusion that the materialist worldview put forward. Oversimplifying, but it's enough for today. So once you understand, though, that you need consciousness in order to Experience an illusion, which is kind of what Descartes was referring to. You realize the position that that consciousness is an illusion is completely incoherent. It doesn't... What does that tell us? You know, as humans, consciousness is the only thing we can be certain that exists. Yet it's the biggest riddle and mystery of our world still today. So being that science has done very little... For the inquiry into sensory qualities that we subjectively experience you know maybe it's time we go back to the drawing board for our understanding of consciousness we miss something along the way in scientific inquiry and maybe when science begins seeing the importance of asking what it is to be x not just what is x but what it is to be x they can become open to the ideas that were once seen as absurd and i think only then will we begin seeing some more kind of reliable understandings of the very mysterious and beautiful conscious experience so what is consciousness well (laughs) I, i still don't really know but it is the thing that gives us the emotions the perceptions and sensory feelings that gives life meaning and purpose So it's time we examine the vital question with a more open mind if we're ever going to try to attempt to understand the true mystery of consciousness. But as always, thanks for listening. Check out the Patreon, check out the Discord, check out all those links below. Help support the show. As always, thank you for tuning in. You really help keep me motivated, but as always, peace, have a good one.